episode 30. Good. Did well. Let's hear some track. No, I'm not gonna fight. I'm not gonna stay on my ground. No, I'm not gonna try to pin you down. No, no. That was Isabel. Uh, we met her in LA this year, didn't we? Mm. Lovely song. Uh, do you know what I like most about that? Go on then. Uh, I love songs when shit's going bad. You know what I mean? Mm. And it is there, isn't it? Yeah. She's a bit annoyed, I think. Well, serve me. So, so it's, it's kind, of, kind of demand. Is it dem- Very demanding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Maybe, but maybe it's an American thing. The vibe thing was well, definitely not English, so. <laughs> the vibe is. You can hear the. And again, why do we always do this? Why do we go, oh, who does it sound like? Um, it's important, though, isn't it? Okay. Do, you have, do we ever have that conversation, isn't it, with um, artists? Yeah, yeah. When uh, one of the worst things you can say as an artist is, it's completely unique. Uh, it just doesn't sound like anyone, really. And uh, we'd use the words BS for that, wouldn't we? Hmm. You, you can't be new. Everyone's been influenced. Yes. And there's no... I mean, I just heard a few little bits in there from... Because I actually saw Isabel's Instagram recently, which... Uh, and she went and saw her idol, who is... Celine Dion. Celine. You can... Yeah, you can hear little drops in there, can't yeah. you? Yeah. You can hear the Kelly Clarkson in it as well, can't yeah. you? She was probably inspired by the Queen. Is she the Queen? Is she known as Queen? That's Madonna, queen isn't it? Queen of what? I don't know. Madonna is the Queen, isn't she? Well, uh, Kelly Clarkson can be the queen of, no, I meant Celine. of pop idol. I meant Celine. Sorry, I confuse you massively. Celine, Isabel, Celine, and Ke- uh, Kelly, and Kelly Clarkson were both mates in another life. Anyway, that album is called This Is Me, Isabel, I S A B E L L E. It's on Spotify, it's on iTunes. Uh, yeah, go and listen to it. There's six tracks on there. One of them's a remix. So, love that. She's, uh, it comes from the heart. You can hear that. And uh, in fact, uh, just meeting her, she's very, very authentic, isn't she? Very yeah. lovely girl. In LA. Yeah. But from Georgia. Clearly sat in our workshops because she knew where it was at. Yeah. <laughs> right. The best. Mm. The best one. Uh, so, thanks, Isabel, for letting us feature your music. Uh, it's beautiful. Now, not only are we trialling a new mic today, we're also trialling a new... I'm not trialling it, we're on there. Stitcher, aren't we? Stitcher Radio? What's, Stitcher what's Radio. crack? Well, the crack, and uh, for any... I don't know, do Irish people know what that means? What, the crack? Yeah, the crack. Because um, we're not talking about crack, like bum crack. Okay. Or or drugs, um, in fact. We're talking about uh, what the Irish refer to as just what's going on, really. What's the deal? Uh, the deal was... Sti- Thank, look, thanks for the 
Thanks for the explanation there. Thanks. Beautiful. Yeah. I'm sure the East Coast would know what it's all about, but the West Coast, they're all a bit... Fly. Well, I haven't got a word for it. I don't know. Stitcher Radio? Stitcher, yep. Uh, Stitcher Radio is is another platform which you can get us on. Uh, Stitcher Radio is uh, a home for podcasts, and we're very pleased to be also listed on there in our major mission just to reach more singers. Uh, so you can find us on Stitcher Radio. It's actually quite a cool app. Um, we're still on the podcasts app. We're still in iTunes. You can get us via thenakedvocalist.com or you can find us on Podbean as the Naked Vocalist. So we're, we're, we're all over the shop. We'll just interject. If there's any listeners out there that are having problems with finding episodes, one of my good friends, Amber O'Rourke, an avid listener, she messaged me in the week and was like, uh, can't get episode one on iTunes podcast and I looked and yeah mine are a bit of a mess as well to be honest with you could be my fault actually well yeah I'll go I'll go back and look shall I could be my fault alright so can we have a bit of a if if you're on if you're on um, Facebook please just bombard our Facebook page with hate messages for Chris about the fact that we don't have uh, you can't view certain um Episodes. Yeah, someone's already done it actually, and I did solve it. Oh, really? Yeah, episode 18, I think, or something. Sorted it. It had a corrupt file. What does that even mean? How does it get corrupt halfway through being on there for like a year? Uh, so I don't understand it, guys. All right? So just, you know, slag me off, but be prepared for me to slag you off as well. Yeah. What for? Just, I don't know, being rude. Cool. Any news? Any other news from you <laughs> before we get going with this awesome episode? Uh, yeah, I've got some good news actually. Um, the Panama, pan, uh, the piggy, <laughs> the piggy, as you, uh, the Pan American Vocology Association, which is uh, uh, headed up by Ingo Tietze and a bunch of uh, other brilliant uh, voice professionals, um, have accepted me as a member. Hooray! So as of now, I am a voting member of that organisation, which essentially means I'm brilliant. Um, And I'm clearly not. You're not yet. At this moment in time. Not yet. So get your application in. They'll probably reject it. Mm. Based on? Based on the fact that you're too short. Uh, Right. And I don't know. There's probably a lot of others, but I don't want to get you down. Um, But on the other other hand, I'm great. Uh, That's a a vote for me. So as being the best. Mm. In That's your, my news. What's your, what's your in news your, then? your um, crazy, tiny little world that you live in. Tiny little head. Tiny head! <laughs> <laughs> so does your news uh, pale in comparison to mine, or is it is it alright? Um, my news is more social, to be honest with you. Oh, it shows where oh yeah, I want to be always be strategic socialising, as more, usual. Oh, I've got more friends than you. Alright, sorry. Yeah, didn't through, realize. through NLP. Didn't realise. Or some didn't other realize. technique. Holding Barry, someone's I'm arm. embarrassed now. On, no, yeah, you said it. Can't just be your th- can't just be normal. No, no, have to get to carry on someone. and talk about it now, and it's hard. <clears throat> yeah, I'm gonna go to Dublin for what? The Guinness. Yeah, the Guinness. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it's at the start of November. So anybody in Dublin, the week commencing the second, I think it's Monday the second. I'm just gonna be cruising over there. Um, there's a there's something called the the Web Summit. Which is where like over a thousand... Is that something, but in like colloquial English? Summit. <laughs> I get it. The, we- the web summit, whatever it is. Summit, summit or other. Summit. The web summit or other. 
the web summit or other. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just gonna be cruising around there for a couple of days um, with Lynn Hilton, Icing Magazine extraordinaire, and um, yeah, it's thou- there's over a thousand speakers. Ed Catmull from Pixar, he's gonna be there. Talk to you about cartoons. What's In- the point? Instagram founder. He's, he's got to know his stuff, surely. Wow. So it's just about being inspired. They do pub crawls that you've got to sign up for. And they it's incredible because there's a story that Uber, on their second round of investment, um, I think they've got it round B, Travis, the, the uh, founder of Uber, he hooked up with a venture capitalist and, and uh, earned himself 30, 37 million on one chat, one little chat in a bar. So that was... Goodness an, me. So who knows what I'm going to come back with? Can you bring back some money for us? For... When you say us... We, we need it. You, mean, you, you do mean the podcast. London's not. expensive. I mean the podcast you mean is you and very Natalie expensive. <laughs> You're and Natalie and your future My kids. rent. I mean my microphone. Very expensive. So... Best you can do, right? Oh, I'll try, mate. Cool. Okay, last but not least, before we get into this amazing episode, sorry, ranting on, the... If you go to our Facebook page, you're going to see a video pinned to the top. And in that video, it's going to be me and Chris chuntering on about something. And that something is a very special episode that we're going to be rolling out on New Year's Eve 2015. So it's, you know... Is what it is, a couple of months away. But in that time between now and then, what we want to do is we want to, as it's so special, we want to thank our listeners for being so great this year. And we want to get in touch with you. We want to get you on the show. <laughs> so we'll be getting in touch with you. Uh, if you obviously sign up um, uh, on the Facebook post, we will be getting in touch with you to t- discuss. We might talk about singing. We might talk about your singing woes. You can ask us any question. Um, but you might want to know the colour of like Steve's underpants mm. uh, or what he did last night. Yeah. Which has usually got a brilliant story. Yeah. But if you're on, don't be boring. You know, give us something we can broadcast. Okay? And, uh, and or just wish us New Year's Eve. New, wish us New Year's Eve. Wish us New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve happy. What, what, we, what are we wishing? I can't remember what we're wishing. New Year's. Happy New Year's. Happy New Year's. Happy New Happy New Year's. It's a stress was in the wrong place, wasn't it? Yeah, how, it was how are you gonna survive at the web summit? <laughs> how are you gonna get thirty million pounds talking like that? I mean I'm pretty I've resigned to the fact that I sound common, but that was just ridiculous. Was it? Yeah. Um yes, so we would like to talk to you guys. Uh love to talk to you about singing, uh, love to help you out and really wanna get some people on the show just to talk to us. The first ten who sign up, the link will be on the Facebook post. So please, as soon as you can, get over there, sign up. We can't wait to have you on. It's going to be a right laugh. Yep. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash TNV questions. Okay? Okay. Join us. Join the page as well. Sign up. Uh, on to today. Michael Goodrich. Uh, wonderful man. Um, although, technically, he is a competitor. You know, we've had him on, but we had to, really, didn't we? Because he... He's a, forced he's us, a sneaky fellow. Threatened us. Yeah. You know, oh, I'll take you down, you slugs. That's what he said, wasn't it? I, I don't remember that comment. No, I, I, yeah. Did I you think, dream it? I don't know. That you might have been Jamie Vendera. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to come on soon, by the way, guys. We're excited about that. But he also didn't have a conversation about slugs. <laughs> However, 
Michael Goodrich is a very intelligent man. He's got an extensive background in singing and teaching singing. And he's got his own thing going on right now. Including Hasselhoff. He's worked with Hasselhoff. That's what you need to know, really, isn't yeah. it? I'd give it my whole life to have that on my CV. Well done. This is about all of those things that singers come up against, how to get around the limiting beliefs and a lot to do with, yeah, the psychological side of singing. It's powerful. There's some great take-homes in this. And so get in touch with us if you've got any questions about the episode. Yeah, awful Michael. So um, here he is, lovely fella. So today we have Michael Goodrich on the other line, on the other line, on the line. I thought I was going to call him Michael. Okay, don't steal my... <laughs> I'm so sorry. We have Mike Goodrich on the line. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mike, we're just going to give you a brief, uh, give everyone a brief summary of who you are, what you've done, and then we, you can go ahead and let us know if we are massively incorrect or whether indeed we've got something right for once. <laughs> so, Mike, Michael Goodrich... Started off in the world of SLS in one part of the, the early training, but then moved on to work with artists as a teacher. Sutton Foster, David Hasselhoff, the Hoffmeister himself, um, and a number of other theatre stars, TV um, personalities. And now, well, since then, has also released a wealth of media online to help singers. It really is one goal to help singers in achieving their goals in their in their careers and in their lives. Is that about right? Yes, mm-hmm. it sure is. Mike or Michael, it, <laughs> it absolutely is. So depending on who calls me what, I'll know who I'm speaking with. That's great. Awesome. But it all started. It all started with SLS back in the day with the speech level singing technique. I came to Los Angeles again the second time back in about 1989, and. Um, Got, got with Seth right away. He'd been recommended to me. I had actually known of him for years, but I never went to Seth because I wanted to be an opera singer. And, <laughs> and uh, so I went to somebody else, having heard of Seth for years, thinking he only worked with pop singers. But anyway, ultimately ended up with Seth, loved him, and um, he gave me actually the biggest compliment of all, accidentally. It was, it was a backhanded compliment. I had a 15-minute lesson with him because he was $200 an hour in 89, and my buddy and I couldn't afford $200 an hour. So we drove down from a place called Fresno, California, which is about four hours away from Los Angeles, and we split a half hour with him, which was, you know, 50 bucks a piece. And in that 15-minute lesson with him, it... Um, it really changed my life. So ultimately, um, I ended up moving down to Los Angeles. But the compliment he gave me that was backhanded was as we were leaving, my buddy was, his name was Kevin. As we were leaving, he said to Kevin, he shook his hand. Kevin was a wonderful singer. Shook his hand and said, Kevin, great job. First class. First class. Nice to meet you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and what we say is that he was threatened. That's yeah, what that, it was. Yeah, that's, see, I like to think that. And... Uh, but, but anyway, it was a really the first time I think that anybody was, was honest with me that I was just pushing my voice beyond all capabilities uh, without actually saying that. Um, although I must say, I went back to my then corporate job and he called me about two or three days later. And I'm, I'm really being completely transparent on this one. And uh, I pick up the phone. He says, Michael, this is Seth. Oh, I, hey, Seth, how you doing? Listen, buddy, I want you to get that nose fixed. <laughs> And he softens it with Buddy there. Yeah. I like that. Exactly, right, exactly. But anyway, <laughs> long and the short of it is, 
Yeah. I remember. I remember listening to your CD uh, uh, way back, and um, and I remember you did a you did a demonstration on uh, Passaggio in the recording, where you would toggle between an I think it was a B flat and a B. Oh yeah, B flat, either an A or a B flat, and a B flat and a B, something like that. Yeah. And and to you you know to to kind of d demonstrate the change in timbre, only the slight change in register as you went through. Mm -hmm. I remember listening to that going, bloody hell. <laughs> how is how? <laughs> I tried it, absolutely stacked it. <laughs> and I was uh, I was mightily impressed with how you were just able to just go look, check this out between A and B flat. Uh, how would you do that? Oh, that's funny. Yeah, that that was a fun that was a fun CD to make. Believe it or not, I have actually tried to get that thing offline, but it is just everywhere, and uh, I. And people still keep buying the thing from CD Baby, and it's like, I said, I will just give it to you now. You know, don't don't buy don't buy it anymore. There's plenty of other information you can just have. I'll just give I'll give stuff to you for anyone listening. Obviously, just just steal it now. Just yeah, yeah. It. Um, That's right. So did you did you get down the opera route at any point? You know, I, I sang in one opera very badly. It was a very minor. Minor role in an opera called Susanna by Carlisle Floyd, and I can't even, I think my character was Gleeton. What I ended up actually doing was musical theater. I did Che and Evita and George and Sunday in the Park with George regionally, not anything huge. But um, that's much more what my voice is, is cut out for. Then I came down, you know, to study with Seth to try and get my voice better and better and better, because I really did want to pursue musical theater. And he encouraged me to, uh, to start teaching. I don't know if that was another backhand compliment. You know, you should teach, buddy. You really got to teach. Um, so I did that. Actually, I got fired from my corporate job, called him from the payphone downstairs and said, you still want me to teach? Willing to help me teach? Oh, yeah, come on over. So uh, the rest is sort of history. And um, it was about 25 years ago. And it started all with SLS. Awesome. And your impression of, of Seth is absolutely phenomenal. But do you know what? I can always, anybody that tries to, well, that attempts it in, in the past, it always edges a little bit towards Yogi Bear, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's, a, it's, quite a, it's quite a bit towards Yogi Bear. You know, a lot of, the, a lot of us that sort of started out with Seth years ago, we, we decided that back then, before there was an organization, we were associates. And you say, you know, you cannot really be an associate unless you can do a pretty good imitation of Seth. And so that's... My buddy Greg and I would call each other in the first thing, okay there, because that's what Seth says. When he, that's your when validation. He, that is <laughs> totally. So, okay, level five. You are now a level five. Awfully sorry. So since that's then, really, yeah. Go since, ahead. Sorry. That's all right. No worries. So since then, Mike, so you stepped. You kind of stepped away from the, uh, the the technical side of of the voice. I'm um, not stepped away, but you've you've moved into other fields. And, yes. And um, and so, what was the the motivation behind you moving into those new fields of the voice and, in fact, human beings. Yeah, I think I think part of the motivation was 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 selfish. It was me, because I've been really a, a real student of, of personal growth for at least as long or longer than a student of voice. So I've really been interested in in how one could awaken during this lifetime to uh, to more of their potential, to more of their authentic self, more of their authentic being, and and. Um, you know, I, d I developed a tremendous amount of fear when I was doing Evita. I had a really interesting experience. I was up there on the scaffolding singing, looked out at the lights of the audience, and just had this feeling of, this is so easy. This is so much fun. And right after that, I had this complete realization of where I was, what I was doing, 
and that I could really completely screw up the show if I forgot the words or anything. And that, that sort of stayed with me. And then I did not enjoy the rest of the run. And the next show I did was Sunday in the Park. I did not really enjoy that. A light would come on in the wings. I had to start the show as George, and a red light would come on every night in the wings, and I would walk onto an empty stage and start the show myself. And every night I would look at that light, and I would look the other direction and think, wow, I could really just leave. I could really just leave right now. Mm-hmm. So I was, I found, and I would ask people, are you looking forward to the show tonight? The other members of the show, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would think, what's wrong with me? My, my favorite part of the show is the curtain call when I'm taking a bow and I'm leaving. And, it's, and there really is no joy involved in that. There's just relief that it's over. And I thought, this just isn't right. You know, this, this really isn't right. But I didn't realize that at the time until I got involved teaching. And about 10, or, 10 years into teaching, I realized that I had convinced myself that teaching others and being in the background was far more important than and far more what I wanted to do than actually being on stage and enjoying myself that way. And it turned out it was, it was a big lie. I had been lying to myself and I hadn't even realized it. Then I started noticing similar things in students as I began to wake up to this. And I saw them reach plateaus and levels that they couldn't get past. And, you know, I knew really this, this isn't meant to be arrogant in any way, but, but with the experience that I had, I, I knew it wasn't an ability to teach. And I, knew, I certainly knew it wasn't the technique. But I could see that they were reaching a certain ceiling, a certain level that they couldn't get past. And this began to be um, disappointing to me as I saw people not getting parts they were ready for. I saw people not being able to, to, to go to that next level. And then, oddly enough, I read this. Um, I, had looked every, I had looked everywhere, meditated, done everything, all kinds of different modalities and practices. And then I read this book by a, a fellow that I actually ended up mentoring with. His name's John Asaraf. A really, really interesting guy. Real, real big in, in certain areas. And the book was called The Answer. And it was actually a business book, but he coupled business with mindset. And so he went into how the brain works, neuroscience. And I thought, wow, okay, I get it. And he described in the book how people have a financial ceiling, and how people that 85% of people that win the lottery, it's a statistic, 85 people, 85% of people that win the lottery actually lose the money within three years. And those who are interviewed about the experience of winning the lottery generally say that it's the worst experience that ever happened to them. And so he was explaining, yeah, it's, it's amazing. He was explaining why this is and that in our brain we have what's, what's called, referred to as a cybernetic mechanism, sort of like we have in, uh, in a thermostat. If you, or if Terminator. It's a, Sounds a bit like Terminator. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cybernetic <laughs> organism. Yes, sir. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I love it. That's great. That's great. Um, so if, if, if it's very, very cold, which it isn't here, but it may be there, and uh, you put it on 72 because you actually want to bring the heat up, when it gets up to 72 degrees, the, uh, the heater goes off because the cybernetic mechanism kicks in. So he was saying, you know, if we have our financial thermostat set at $100,000 a year, when we get to $100,000 a year, that's it. And the brain will figure out a way for us to stay at that level and not rise above it. Even if consciously we want to make 200000 or 250000 or a million, because that is a conscious goal. 
That's a conscious goal, and we can create our goals with our conscious brain and our thinking, but that's only responsible for 2 to 4% of what we actually do. 96 to 98% is our unconscious brain. So he says you can you can make all the plans, all the goals, set all the all the intentions that you want, but if your wiring, if your programming in your brain isn't consistent and congruent with what you want outside, what's inside is going to win and you're not going to be able to break that financial ceiling and I thought I need to work with this guy and learn this and apply this to singing. And so I actually joined a program with him for a year, which was a $5,000 for a year, and worked with him for $1,500 an hour. Whoa. Now, and, I, and I didn't work with him that much <laughs> privately, because privately, that was a lot of money. Did you call uh, your friend up again and share half an hour? Yeah. <laughs> that's what it's, I would have done. It's that time again, buddy. <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, I, Mike, I wonder if I can kind of go back in time. And that would be awesome. $750 sounds a lot better. That's great. But you spent some time with this guy, with, uh, this, this guy did you? I did. I did because I really wanted to, to create in the singing world what he could create it for business. And I thought, because I can, I've got the technique, I can teach the technique. But now I can add this side of it, which I was calling kind of mindset for singing. And eventually, and, and you know, a, a buddy of mine who's also a student laughs at this now because nobody ever got, ever got this name right. But when I was working with John privately, um, I said, you know, I had to, I got to figure out something to call the mindset portion of what I do. And he was kind of brainstorming and he came up with activation voice control. And I said, oh, I, I like that. He said, yeah, the activation, you know, the reticular activation system in the brain, which I can also go into in a minute. It's kind of like a vocal GPS. And uh, I said, oh, that makes sense. That's great. Okay. So I called it activation voice control. Nobody ever knew what the heck that meant. It's kind of like, you know, if, if I told you guys a joke right now and there was no laughs, and then I had to go back and explain to you why it was funny. That was kind of what activation voice control meant. It's like, and it's not funny anymore. Let's put it. And it's way. not. It's just not funny. Yeah, exactly. Right. So people were saying this voice activation thing you do, and I thought, okay, this just isn't working. It's working. It's working as a practice, because I developed. Um, I actually did online back in about two thousand and nine. A really cool thing. Um, I had a very very small list of, of subscribers at the time, and I offered what I was calling kind of a pilot program. And that would be half technique, half mindset. And I wanted 15 people. And I said, um, I'm going to give you a tremendous amount of my time. And I'm going to charge, you know, $1,000. And I want 15 people. And we're going to do this over the course of 10 weeks. And there's going to be all this access to me and all this stuff. And I was, you know, thrilled that it filled up so fast. People that I never even knew. I mean, people, it, that was when I first kind of got this, the internet thing. It's like, whoa, people I never knew just signed up and are interested in this. And I was thrilled. And this gave me a forum that I was open, very open with them. So this is something that the reason it's so little money and so much time with me is because I'm working out how to teach this program and how to incorporate it into vocal technique. If you guys are willing to be pilots and give me befores and afters and, dem and um, testimonials and what have you, then we can do it. And it was amazing. And, and the, the learning experience for me and the results for the people, were, were it was phenomenal. So I had a great time putting all this into practice and everybody got really wonderful results. And that was the kind of the genesis of really going seriously in this direction. And then over time, as 
activation voice control name sort of became even for me i was like okay this is this this has got to go uh all of a sudden one day i was you know the inner singer just landed and i said the inner singer wow because that's what it is it's the inner singer it's our thoughts our beliefs our programming our wiring our conditioning everything that goes on behind the scenes that runs the outer singer or our voice so the inner singer i said that can't be available so it was available, and I got the innersinger.com and innersinger.com and went in a little bit more specifically in a, in a new direction with the new, uh, with the new knowledge out there because I have you know almost what eight more years of knowledge. And in brain research, it's, it's all new, it's all new almost every, every day. It's just the, the growth in, and what they discover is just exponential. So so anyway, that's kind of. Um, be careful. I, I never give short answers. You guys feel free. I know this is recorded. Oh, you will on. never hurt. You will never hurt my feelings if you interrupt or say, "Dude, you're just rambling." Okay, I guess <laughs> we can edit you out, Michael. No worries about that. But, but <laughs> one thing we'd argue as well is, you know, that um, fifteen thousand uh, dollars for ten weeks' work isn't bad, is it? Really? Yeah. No, it was, it was, was not bad. bad at all. And you, you know, and the interesting thing is. Um, Oh, you, you know who was, a, who was a member of that? I don't think he'd mind my mentioning. He's a, he's a dear guy. Um, well, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe, maybe I shouldn't. Um, but I, so, yeah, I won't mention him because, you know, that's probably a private thing. But I do have some students that are still with me from that program. Wow. Awesome. So, it's, yeah, it's, it was, so it was great fun, great experience. And, uh, yeah, so it's cool. What, what we say, I mean, from what I'm getting there from the thermostat thing, Michael, are we mm-hmm. talking about... Um, very in basic terms, self-limiting beliefs is that yes. Is that is that the main the main concept? But obviously, a hell of a lot deeper from where you're coming from. Yeah, but I but I think you're absolutely right. That is the main concept. the The thing that is challenging about the those beliefs is that the ones that I'm referring to are sort of core beliefs, and they operate so deeply. They operate at a level way below our conscious awareness. So, for example, let's just say um, I began when I was doing Evita to be very, very scared about forgetting the words. Oddly enough, I wasn't worried about my voice. I I knew that I could get through the show. I knew I could do it, uh, even though I didn't know what I know now, but I was fine in that show. And so, isn't it interesting that everything that I would think that I would be worried about, I wasn't worried about. But because of a core belief that sits way beneath being afraid of forgetting the words, I managed, imagine this, imagine this. At the bottom of a pond, you have something way at the bottom of, of a 15 or 20 foot pond, a, a pool of water. You have a little frog that, that burps and creates a bubble that comes all the way up to the surface and then it bursts on the surface and you're standing there and you're looking at this beautiful pond and you see this bubble pop, boom. That bubble popping was my fear of forgetting the words. But what was at the bottom creating that bubble? Mm. Because if it hadn't been forgetting the words, it would have been something else. So to dig deep and to find out what is really creating this, what is really creating this belief that, wow, if I forget the words, I could really mess this up. I could destroy the show for everybody. So I dug deeper and deeper and deeper and you come you come up with things like, wow, at the core, I'm a real perfectionist. Or at the core, I really don't feel deserving of this role. Or at the core, I really have 
difficulty being successful. I was comfortable one minute and now, wow, now all of a sudden I've managed, managed to find something to be afraid of to take all of the joy out of this. So it really is the beliefs that are operating well below the consciousness because otherwise we're just putting a band-aid on it. We're taking care of the bubble, we're band-aiding it, but if that belief still exists, it's going, to, it's going to express as something else because it wants to be exposed. It, you know, it's, 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 much like, it's much like a criminal, I guess, that uh, a, a guy that's robbing a lot of banks and they keep inadvertently leaving clues because on some level they really don't want to do that and they want to be caught and they want to be stopped, but they can't stop themselves. It's just, does that make sense? Yes, completely. Yeah. So, so, so going back, did you ever discover with you and your singers as well and apply um, uh, the root cause and the resolution to that burping frog per se? <laughs> I've actually never said that. It sounds funny when you say it. That's great. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Again, again, it's going to be on the, on the quote Facebook page, okay? Yeah, that's great. That's funny. That's the name of the podcast, The Burping Frog. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, well... You know, this is a this is a real process, and I I, I often say for people this is, and, and this isn't to be discouraging in any way because it's there's there's so much amazing discoveries and improvement we we can make, but it's it's not necessarily for the faint of heart. It really is just like if if you're trying to build your high notes and you have just a puny tiny little head voice and you know it's going to take a little time. We never know necessarily what the root cause is or how strong it is. Some people, just like in a voice lesson, respond immediately. It's like turning on a light switch and all of a sudden, whoa, you know, they're, they're pulling their chest voice up. Like, let, let's say a woman's pulling her chest voice up like crazy to a B flat or a B and you dial her in on the vowel and all of a sudden, bang, right through the second bridge and she's just wailing and where has this been all my life? And the same thing is true of the other. I mean, somebody can come in with limiting beliefs that maybe may, maybe don't go that deep, and you can give them some some mental rehearsal, which I think is terrific because you know there's a part of our brain that doesn't doesn't understand the difference between real and imagined. So, if you imagine yourself, let's say you're let's say you're just afraid to. Uh, somebody's afraid to sing in karaoke. They just they're just afraid to go out and even sing with their friends. Just something easy like that and fun. And if they imagine themselves singing in karaoke and kind of close their eyes and feel into what that feels like, it's really important to feel into it. They may see it, they may not, they may visualize it, they may not, but to really feel into the feeling of getting up there and then imagine that they sing beautifully and they have the most fun ever and they just love their voice and people come up and tell them how much fun it was to listen to them and all just everything positive and wonderful and they go through this and even if in as they're going through this imaginary exercise even if they feel nervous let the nerves be there but experience this tremendous joy and success in spite of the nerves or in addition to the nerves for every time they do that with success the brain gets that they really did that. So if you go out and do karaoke one time, but you imagine the situation with really great emotion 15 times, the brain gets that you've done this 16 times. 
So you can really expedite your progress quite a bit with mental rehearsal and uh, taking advantage of that cool fact about the brain. And with some people, that really sets them on a road. And with other people, it's, it's a deeper work. It goes into really looking at what are you doing? Are you doing anything else in your life that is similar? Are you told anything? Because I'm sure you guys have had the same experience. I'll say something to a student about this. Like, um, I'm kind of getting an, an energy of apology when you sing. Oh, my acting teacher says the same thing. Or, oh, I do that all the time. Or, oh, yeah, my boss is saying the same thing. I just don't have confidence. So because a, a mentor of mine said one time, said, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Hmm. And so is there anything else in your life? Can we begin to track this? Oh, okay, so this really doesn't have anything to do with singing, does it? Well, no. Okay, well, let's, let's kind of look back in time a little bit. Do you have any idea how this might have come up in your life? Did anybody say anything to you when you were young? And I really try not to go into being therapy, a therapist, because I'm not a therapist, and I, I have no interest in, in being a therapist. But what happens is you end up being a little bit of a, of a, not only a singing coach, but a little bit of a life coach, because singing is such a vulnerable activity. Singing and speaking, I think, for people, and singing even more, is something that is so, and it, that is why, actually, that is why your podcast is so appropriately named. It is a naked thing to do. You're standing up there and you're being private in public. Yeah, so you're we, just... We, we had that thought behind the name as well, Michael, but it wasn't... Yeah. <laughs> I, but no, but it yeah. was subliminal in yeah. some way. Uh, that's what our minds meant it to be. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. But no, no, you're absolutely right there. And uh, um, I, do, I do like what you say about um, the mental rehearsal is something that... Uh, something I've discovered over the past couple of years and applied it here and there and also been able to see that uh, uh, from a negative point of view as in imagining it going badly which is what I used to do as well mm -hmm. um, obviously you know mental rehearsal helps to feed into the actual act then rehearsing it going wrong will be a self-fulfilling prophecy right exactly and, and you know you know how many people come off the stage going I knew I was going to screw that up yeah, exactly. I was going to screw up because they saw it a hundred times in their dreams going wrong. Absolutely. And, and it Abs really, yeah, it, it's, it's funny how um, muscle memory, mental practice, they can't discern what's bad or good. It's like whatever you practice, the body will and the brain will remember. So you just make sure it's positive. <laughs> well, yeah, that's absolutely true. The brain, the brain doesn't do the editing for us. No. And I saw, I see this, and I know you guys see this too. I see this in the, um, I mean, maybe I'll play a scale, in our, the arpeggio, 13 notes in the arpeggio. Maybe I'll play it for an octave and a half. So how many notes is that? Octave and a half times 13. A lot of notes. And maybe during the course of that, somebody hits five or six notes that are less than desirable. Maybe not as good as they thought they'd be. And they have a huge emotional reaction to each one of those notes. They cringe, they apologize, they roll their eyes or whatever, but a big, big, big emotional reaction. And absolutely no reaction whatsoever to the notes that are really good. And I finally stopped them. Even before I used to, even before I studied this, I would stop them and say, you know, you're really, you're really telling your brain with the charge of emotion that that is what you want more of. What you need to do 
is let the ones that don't sound great to you roll off your back and get excited and enthusiastic about the ones that are going well, because most of them are going really well. And then you can ask yourself a question about the ones that are not going as well as you'd like. Wow, how can I make this note? How can I get this note even better? How can I get this note even stronger? Versus the question, how come I never get that note? Because the brain's going to give you an answer for either one. How can I get this even stronger? Supposes that Presupposes that it's pretty strong and pretty good already. So the brain is going to lead you in a direction, whether it's the right book, the right teacher, the right exercise, the right anything, the right mindset, to get that note stronger. If you say, how come I never get this note? The brain's going to give you the answer. Because you failed at that, you failed at that, you can't do that, you can't, it will, it will begin negative scanning and find things to validate the inner core belief that is bringing up the question, how come I never get this note? And it'll be validated and it'll just be a complete spiral downward, a doom loop. Yeah, do you know what, Michael? That, that, that's brilliant because the, and I want to rewind a tiny bit to when you said about the therapy and it mm-hmm. not being therapy where you try and you try and swerve away from that a tiny bit. But I'm really curious about how you do approach this in terms of, I mean, we all, all three of us will hear it probably a million times across a week. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> implying we're extremely successful vocal coaches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah. But ju- no, just this. Uh, maybe because I work with a lot of uh, the children, but the the I can't. I just I can't do it. I just can't do it. I I really feel into the energy without without trying to sound too woohoo. I feel into the energy of the individual and just like I know you guys do, and we sort of, just from the experience of working with so many people and getting used to feeling into the energy of people and where they are, that kind of gives me a clue on where to go with them. I generally, for example, kind of an extreme example, every once in a while I'll get somebody and I will be able, I'll feel into, wow, this really isn't about the voice. But I can see when I just start lightly treading on some of this other thing, some of the inner singer stuff. And I don't even say, hey, okay, now I'm going to talk to you about the inner singer. It's never like that. It's very natural. It's just kind of interjecting little things and ideas and concepts and to see if there's receptivity. I can see their eyes don't really roll, but they're looking for a clock. They look at their watch. They look at their phone. They're trying to see the energy is... How long is this guy going to take of my lesson talking about this when I just want better high notes? Right. And so at that point, boom, I may just cut to the chase and help them with their high notes. I may dig a little deeper, but if there's no receptivity at all, I will pull back and I will honor where they are, that they're just not ready to, to, to go into these places. Now, if they are, and I always tread lightly anyway, um, let's say that somebody is kind of doing what I, let's say your example, I can't do that. I can't do that because I run up against that a lot, as we all do. I will gently say, well, you didn't do it right then, but there may be a better way to language that. You know, I didn't do that, but I will do that. And I bet with some practice, I can do that. Can we begin to think in that? Because you're actually saying you can't do that before you get to the note that you think you can't sing. Because let's say in this scale right here on an arpeggio, I play them. I say, now you sang that G beautifully when you were going on the way to the B. But when the G is the top note, now you say you can't sing it. 
I just want to just show you on the piano that the statement you're making, it just isn't true. Mm. It's coming from a fear and a memory that you maybe haven't hit that note in the past. But it doesn't hold water now. You actually can sing it, and you did sing it. You didn't sing it in that exercise, but you can do it. So can you ask the question, instead of saying a statement, I can't do that, can you ask the question, how can I do that better? Can you help me do that better? What can I do to help myself do that better? Have I sung that note before? Yes, you have. I, I'll tell you, you have sung that note before. And, and just sort of guide them into a reframing a pattern that they're used to, because it really, boils, it really boils down to going back to the old adage of, do you view life as a glass half empty or the glass half full? Mm. And say, right now, you're looking at it as half empty, and it's actually half full. You hit that note many more times than you miss it. And so I will just kind of gently begin. I don't, I don't hammer them. I don't hit them right away with anything difficult. But I gently start encouraging them and introducing the idea that they're buying into a pattern and a programming that they've been doing on a very unconscious level. And I, then I, say, now I tell them at this point, now, you don't even necessarily have to try and change right now. What I want you to develop is an awareness of the pattern, an awareness of the programming. So let's do some more exercises. And if you say or feel like you want to say, I can't do that. Let's say you say it, but you realize it. Oh, I said it. Or you feel like saying it, but you catch yourself and you don't say it. I say, now you're developing mindfulness. You're becoming mindful of a pattern that has been running you. The minute you start becoming mindful and develop an awareness of that, you begin to have a choice. Do I want to continue operating this pattern, running this programming, or do I have another choice? And I've just given you another choice by saying, rather than that statement, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't sing that note, how about this choice? Wow, what can I do to sing that even better? What can I do to get that note this time? What can I do to make that note feel even easier? And I say, now, once we can become mindful and aware, we have choice. Now, when you catch yourself, part of the pattern and staying in the pattern is getting down on yourself. Oh, I can't believe I had that thought again. I can't believe I said that again. I'm such an idiot. I said, that's part of the pattern. So be mindful of that and just bring love and compassion to the part of yourself that feels angry and frustrated and be create a little space, a little awareness between you, the real you, and the programming and the pattern, which isn't you, and see if you have a choice in the matter. Yeah, and isn't serving you as well. Um, there, uh, uh, one of our previous guests, Lynn Hilton, you might, you might um, know her. Oh, sure, I know Lynn for years. Yes, for old school. Um, she, she deals with it in a similar way, um, sort of stemming from the Carol Dweck mindset um, sort of methods, in mm -hmm. that she quite likes to get her students to uh, rate it from one to five. So they'll sing a note and she'll be like, ah, they'll be, it's terrible. Uh, but then she'll ask them to give it a score and quite often they'll say, oh, I'll give it like minus one. But, you know, like you would, like awful. What's the most awful number um, beyond yeah. that? Um, but then when, when she kind of says, okay, so were you out of tune? And they'll be like, well, 
well, no. You know, were you, you know, was the tone a little off? Well, yes. Did it strain per se? Did it hurt? No, it was fine on that sense, but the sound. So, so you could say, well, well, it's not awful. You could they they often then re evaluate the note and say, all right, well, but probably it's a three then. You know, mm-hmm. they begin to work positive, and then there's a like you say, there's a choice then. It's like okay, it wasn't a disaster, but it's not what I might want. But it's like, what's that one thing I could do to get a four? And then let's do that. Right. One thing to think about, and it's like like you do in in, in I, I love hearing about different ways of turning people round to seeing where they actually are objectively, mm-hmm. and then figuring out how to get forward from that. Yeah, I think that that's terrific what she does. That she's creating a framework that they can work within. That's awesome. I think that's that's great. I've it's funny. I've actually never thought of putting a number on it, and I oddly enough I do that with technique. Right. If I'm if I'm teaching somebody and they, you know, let's say I'm trying to get them to, to press in a little bit more in the bridge, and anybody who's pulled chest for a long time, I know I know your all your podcast people will probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, anybody who's pulled chest or some way 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 too heavy for a long time, even once you get them dialed in, as they press in a little bit more, it's reminiscent of what they used to do, so they're afraid to do it. Yeah. And so once we can kind of get them to do it, I've had students say. They look at me and they're scared and they're approaching it very timidly and they're holding back as much as they're trying to sing in, they're holding back and that's what creates the strain is their, their actual resistance to, to doing it. And so uh, they'll say, oh, that hurt. I say, oh, okay, describe the pain. Well, it didn't sound good. <laughs> well, that's not pain. Describe it. <laughs> Did it hurt? On a one to 10 scale, 10 being horrible, you're going to leave and never come back. One being, it's the easiest thing in the world. Where was it? Three. I said, I would buy a seven. Three is really good. Yeah. So where's the pain? Well, well, it didn't. It didn't hurt. It really didn't hurt. So oh, no. yeah. Yeah. it's just massively unfamiliar, mm-hmm. um, and that does scare people, doesn't it? Completely. Oh yeah. But do you, do you think with all this stuff then, Mike? Do you think that um, I'm, I'm yeah interested to know your thoughts on on how much. Uh, or that you're you're a singing you're a singing teacher, vocal coach, and you are clearly massively interested in in the voice and singing. How much of you is interested in the changing of? You mentioned the personal development thing, but would you do you think you never see yourself going off into uh, actually actual therapy or actually looking at it as in this person is just reactive? And in fact, if we could change this reactive personality, then in fact, they could have a much more fruitful life in general. And mm-hmm. Some of the things you're talking about there, i.e. meditation and, and uh, mindfulness, that right. kind of thing. Have you ever looked to explore that further? You know, I, yeah, I, I really do. I, I guess in my mind right now and in kind of in my, in my development, I, I would prefer to have that as you guys, you guys are so sharp and you pick up all this stuff and you're, you know, I've heard some of your other podcasts and I, you know, you're very educated in all this. And so it's really fun and easy to talk to you guys about this, but first, and, and you get the connection between voice and life. I guess I'm probably myself not in a place quite yet where I feel like I want, would want to be like a life coach or something like that. I love singing. I love singers, performers. I love, I love that that 
can be such a vehicle for them in so many ways. And it and I like for them to make the connection. It's, it's so much fun when somebody comes in and um, we've done some work, some inner singer work and what have you, and they come in and they say, wow, I, I used what we were talking about in singing and at my job or in my relationship or in my this. And, you know, it's all the same stuff, Mike. And I say, well, yeah, it is, isn't it? <laughs> and kind of like, you know, I'm sure you guys are the same way when you teach. You know, we've, we've kind of all been brought up in that we don't teach from sensation. In other words, I don't say to my student, it feels like this to me, it should feel like that to you. So oftentimes a student will say, what's it feel like? And I'll say, you know, I, I'm happy to tell you what it feels like to me, but it may not feel like that at all to you. What I much prefer is that to guide you into the experience and then very naturally you say, wow, that felt like that. And so many people will say, They'll, they'll get dialed in and they'll feel it and it'll feel great, a note. And they'll say, wow, it felt like this, that, or the other thing. Is that right? And they'll say, it's right for you. It doesn't necessarily feel that way to me, but if it feels that way to you, that's great. So I love, this, I love to help guide a student into self-discovery. Yeah, absolutely. And we have, we have a, a singer friend who um, was singing with us for 10 years and still is. Um, who uh, it must be about four years ago kind of just sort of freely disclosed that having spoken at conferences about very technical subjects for quite a long time and used to tremble at the thought is now uber comfortable doing that from his part-time experiences as a performer Mm-hmm. And it was the performing that made made the difference there, but uh, and making the distinction as well between um, uh, I think it's in America the number one fear over even over death is public speaking. <laughs> That's right. And that is crazy. And singing obviously is a massive form of that. In fact, more accurate and um, mm-hmm. much more artful. And so I just think it's no wonder people out there are just absolutely trembling at the thought of going out and doing it. Oh, it's, uh, it's true. I, 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 the reason I laughed at that is because it reminds me of the old joke. I don't, I don't know the setup for the joke, but the, the essence of the joke and the punchline is, you know, public speaking is people are more afraid to public speak than they are of death. And so the, the, the joke, as I'm sure you've heard, is that, so you would actually, at the funeral, rather be in the casket rather than giving the eulogy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and, um, I, I want to pick on something up in you, something you said earlier. You said something about um, vocal GPS, but then we skipped off. Um, oh, right. Mm-hmm. Earlier. Can you elaborate as to what that was going to be? Sure, you bet. There's a there's a part of the brain that is, um, it's the part of the brain that they they were calling, and I suppose they still are, the reticular activation system, and that is kind of the vocal GPS. That would be, it's the uh, it's the part of the brain that begins to recognize things that you want, whether it's conscious or unconscious direction. For example, let's say, you, uh, d- yeah, you just bought a new one. Of you just bought was it Chris that bought the new car? Yes. Okay, cool. What color is it? Black. What kind of car is it? It's a Toyota. That's awesome. Okay, so did you, if, if you had conceived of that car before, let's say, now this may not have happened to you because you may have gone into the dealers, seen a black Toyota and thought, that's awesome, I'm going to buy that. Well, no, my, but, girl, my girlfriend liked it, so that was just the decision made. There, yeah, enough said. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get it. That's funny. So, but let's, let's say that you had 
um, searched the internet and you had decided, okay, black is the color and this style of a Toyota is what I want. Okay, that's awesome. And you've been looking at this and pricing it and now you're finally gonna go see one. In that, in that process, you would most likely begin to see that car quite a bit all over the place. Everywhere you would look, parking lots, driving by, you would see, oh my gosh, that's the car I want. The black Toyota, same model and everything. When my wife was pregnant with our son, pregnant women abounded. Everybody I met was pregnant. Stores, people, students, everybody. I don't see pregnant women ever anymore. And why? There's the same amount of black Toyotas as there are the same amount of pregnant women. But I don't think that's, that's not important for me to see right now. And so we take in so much information and we see so much information. So much information is, is, is projected onto us that our brain is very discretionary. It will filter out anything that it doesn't think is important to us. And it will look for anything that is important to us. And that's when we come kind of back to the student who overreacts at a note that's substandard in their eyes. They give a strong emotional reaction to that. That goes into a part of their brain that begins to think, wow, okay, this strong emotional reaction equals we want more of that. Okay, let's, let's find more of that. Let's find a way to, to get them more of that. And so that's the vocal GPS, and it takes direction from us more from our unconscious. And that's why it's so important to kind of become aware of what's going on below the level of our conscious awareness, because that's where the directions are taken. That's why when we set goals, vocal goals or intentions to practice more, I'm going to practice an hour a day, I'm going to do whatever, uh, they're very good intentions. We may write them down and do all kinds of things to follow through, and we may do it for a day or two or a week or two. But eventually, whatever belief is operating under that conscious direction is going to start being guided by the vocal GPS. We got... Um, a few cars back, we had a Volvo um, SUV, and we, we were actually, we had my, my wife and I and my mother-in-law and father-in-law were going out to see Billy Crystal, and we were going someplace in Hollywood that I've never been, and we decided, well, let's, let's use the GPS. And so we started making wrong turns, and with every wrong turn, this GPS would get us back. No matter where we go, the, v, the GPS would figure out where we were. No matter how off course we got, the GPS would get us back. And the funny thing about the story is, I swear, and my wife will swear too, every time this vocal GPS got us back on, it was more angry. It was like, go back and make a U-turn. Turn right. Turn left. And this woman just got more and more frustrated. <laughs> that, that's not what happens to us. But, but the analogy is good because we... Uh, we, we, may, we may think we're on course when we're setting our goals, but according to our unconscious programming, we are actually off course. And our vocal GPS at some point will get us back on course so that we're following what is comfortable and familiar. If it's not comfortable for us to practice an hour a day, if it's not comfortable for us to make the kind of progress that we will make if we do that, our vocal GPS will guide us slowly back. And as my friend John my mentor, John Asaraf, says, we will begin to rationalize why our old behavior is better. And he says, rationalize is actually telling ourselves rational lies. Well, I really don't need to do this right now. Oh, I'll just do it tomorrow. And all of a sudden, we'll find ourselves in a very comfortable and familiar programming, 
and habit pattern, even if it's not one that we consciously want, because our vocal GPS is operating at a, at a, at a level below our awareness. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm. completely. And uh, I remember um, reading, uh, I think it was a, it's actually a businessy type book, but it spoke about the same principle um, and about focusing on that one thing um, to guide you there. But uh, on the flip side of things, if, if, you, if you're focused too much in one direction, it can make you ignore blatant um, like things that are in the peripheral that if you weren't so focused and hell-bent, you know, in the, in the unconscious mind, that you would have noticed all the great things and opportunities that you just literally walked past. Oh, yeah, oh, go ahead. You know, and that, well, that was it. And, it, and it's, to, it's to try and, try and um, expand that view and take in uh, information that's in the peripheral and not in the vision as well. Uh, and and that, that was what, one part of the sort of uh, the helpfulness of that actual uh, the book there. But it ties in with what you're saying there. Oh, you know, I, I completely agree. In psychology, I believe they call that a scotoma. Right. And when you're, um, and we've all had the experience, if we're, if let's say we're irritated at our spouse, girlfriend, whatever, and um, it's dinner time, and we just want to sit down and eat. We're hungry. It's late. And they, they say, well, you do this, do this. You know, oh, I don't feel like doing that. No, okay. I'm just about to sit down. Oh, will you, will you get me the ketchup, please? Oh, where is it? It's in the refrigerator on the shelf right next to the mayonnaise. So you begrudgingly open the refrigerator door. You look, <laughs> you see the mayonnaise. You look down. I don't see it. It's not here. It's right next to the mayonnaise. No, it's not. Trust me, I just put it there. It's right next to the mayonnaise. No, it's not. She comes over, reaches down right next to the mayonnaise and picks up the ketchup. Why? Because you didn't want to see it. You had a scotoma. It was right there. And then you say, oh, I can't believe I missed that. And that is, yeah, you're exactly right. When we're in a pattern or a program, how many amazing opportunities are we missing? How many amazing things about our voice that are, that are wonderful are we missing because we're focusing on, but that note wasn't very good, that song wasn't very good, or whatever pattern we're in. Have you guys, and I don't want to blow this if you guys haven't seen this, so I'm going to have to dance around this a little bit, but um, I, can, I can ask you like this because it might be really cool for, for some of your crowd. It's a little, it's by now a lot of people have seen it. When I saw it, I, I fell for it and nobody had seen it. Um, but have you guys seen the video of the basketball players in white shirts and black shirts, passing the balls back and forth? No. No. Oh, my gosh. Okay, I don't want to spoil this for you. But, um, is this, but there's... This is homework for our viewers, uh, listeners as well, right? Yeah, there's... there's the, the only problem is there's no way for you to find the video and look at it in, unless I spoil it for you, because that's the only way you could Google it and find it. So what we're saying is, look, we put a disclaimer on on the iTunes uh, podcast app. You can actually skip forward thirty seconds. So if <laughs> any, somebody doesn't want to listen to this bit, then uh, okay, let's on. let's do let's 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 do this then, because um, you might be if you find the video, you might be able to send it out to your people and and with an explanation and say, hey, look at this, and here's what to explain. You, but you want me to tell you what it is? It, yeah, it's okay, perfect for this. Anyway, I was in a. I was in a big seminar one time, and this gal up on the stage showed this video, and she set it up on a big screen, and we're in a big giant place with a whole bunch of people, and the screen is huge, and she sets it up by saying, listen, I'm going to show you this video. It's got two sets of bas basketball players. One set has black shirts, 
one set has white shirts. They're going to pass the basketball back and forth. And if I'm, I may have the directions wrong, but you can get them when you see the video. But the directions is something to the effect of, I want you to watch the, the black team and see how many times they pass the ball. Now, there's black team, white team, black shirts, white shirts. Just focus on the black team, see how many times they, they pass the ball. And let's compare the answers at the end. Who's ever right, you know, will give you something. And so, okay, so they start the video. Unbelievable. So I start the video, and I'm intently looking at this thing with my wife. And I'm counting, I'm counting, I'm counting. At the end of the video, which is about a two-minute video, I say, what'd you get? I think I got like 18. She says, oh, I got, I got like 17. I say, okay, who's right? And so the woman goes through the whole thing. How many saw this, that, the other thing? And, um, and the woman says, did you, how many saw the gorilla? And like maybe 30% of the people in the audience raised their hand. And I look at my wife and say, gorilla? She goes, let me show you that video again. And now you've been primed and you know. <laughs> All of a sudden, they show you the video. Halfway through the video, literally halfway through the video, a guy dressed as a gorilla walks in the middle of the two teams passing the basketball back and forth, stands there for about eight to ten seconds, and then leaves. And we did not see him. A guy dressed as a gorilla. And it's a very, very, very famous video. And that is the, that is the power in a good way and the power in a not-so-good way, because what she said afterwards, she says, if you didn't see a gorilla in a two-minute video that was as big as a house, how many opportunities are you missing in your life? Sure, yeah, it's right like, on. And it, can, it goes back to uh, positive-negative muscle memory, whatever, focusing on the right thing. Focus is not a bad thing, as long as it's directed in the right way, right? Yeah, exactly. Focus is terrific. So, so, Michael, I think to, we better, have, I mean, we always say 25 to 35 minutes and look at the state of it. It's <laughs> oh, you know, you know, it's okay. I'm, I'm having a great time and I blanked out a bunch of time anyway. <laughs> well, here's the Fine. thing, though, just to kind of wrap, look towards wrapping it up. Is there one thing that you feel that would be really valuable to our listeners if you were to say, look, we've spoken about mindset in a way, we've spoken about beliefs, we've spoken about the... Uh, GPS system within the body. Uh, think or do or practice this one thing over the next course of however long um, to start to see if you can develop yourself in this area. What would it be? You know, I think that I, I sort of glanced over and glossed over it a little bit, but I think this is really the most important thing for people that are beginning to open to the fact that they even have an inner singer that guides their outer singer, that if they're, if they're discouraged about their voice in any way or they're performing in any way or they feel like they have any of these um, difficulties with their voice, to realize that, wow, okay, I have an inner singer that is my backstage. It's backstage. My outer singer is my singer. It's on stage. But there's a lot going on backstage to produce this. So I really think the main thing, it's simple, but it's, it's profound, and that is to begin to develop an awareness of your tendencies, an awareness of your programming. It's instead of just being on autopilot, begin to question everything that you react to with regards to your voice. Even And you can carry it on in your life. But start with your voice. Why did I react, why did I react to that note that way? 
Well, I, and, and I mean non-judgmentally, completely scientifically, just curious, no judgment, no condemnation, just awareness. Wow, I really, wow, I reacted like four or five times to notes that I didn't like. Wow, the first place I go after I sing is, oh, that wasn't very good, I'm glad nobody heard that. Or, I stopped right in the middle of that song again because it felt like it wasn't going well. Or, right after that, I compared myself to this person. And just to develop an awareness of the patterns, because that is hugely powerful. The minute we start developing space between the pattern and us, we begin to have choice. And so when you see that pattern running, when you, when you realize, it, I just stopped that song and I, I went right to, oh, that, that sucked, that was horrible. Wow, I just caught myself, I just said that. I just said something really negative about my voice. Let's feel into that a little bit. Let me track with that. Now that I'm aware that I went, let me track with that. What else does that little voice have to say? Oh, that sucked. You could never sing that for anybody. Okay, keep talking. Well, that's just awful. How come it's always that bad? Wow. Okay, how is this feeling to me? That doesn't feel good. Okay, but I'm very aware of this now. So I'm developing some space between it. What's the payoff for continuing that pattern? Feeling bad and hating my voice. Is that something that's supportive to what I want to do? No. Do I have another choice? Maybe I do. Maybe after my song, or after any vocalizing that I do, I could train myself to immediately identify three things, only three things, that I really like or love about my voice. Even if it was just, well, I remembered all the words, I had really good pitch, my vibrato on that note was really good, I really nailed that one phrase. Train yourself to go in another direction. So what you've done is you've become very aware of your pattern and your behavior. You've created some space completely non-judgmentally, bringing compassion to yourself for, for, for feeling that way. You've tracked it a little to see what the effect of that is. And you've come to a choice point where you say, I could make another choice. And you've given yourself the other choice that is available to you. Does that make sense? Perfect sense. It's cool. really great. Really, really great. I guess we ought to finish with what you're doing now. And how people can get hold yeah, of you yeah. if they want to talk to you further about uh, what you do or anything from this show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, I'd love it if they'd tune into the Inner Singer podcast, the Inner Singer podcast. It's on iTunes. And um, if they want to go to my website, they're welcome as well. They can go to theinnersinger.com. And there's a little intro video and a place where they can put their name and email in for a free video that's about a 10-minute video that kind of guides through a, a three-step process for all these things that we're talking about today. They might find really helpful and enjoyable, and podcasts are, are free, and I'm getting some nice feedback on those. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd welcome anybody who'd like to check that out. And they are just, and, you know, car journeys. Um, I even know one of the one of the guys I know just jogs with the podcasts on. They're just so convenient, aren't they, to take in information and be inspired. So um, it's great, and they are great podcasts as well. So I oh, do thank urge you. all of our listeners to go and mm. uh, check out the Inner Singer um, as well as your website, which is is it GoodrichVocal.com? 
You know, it is GoodrichVocal.com, um, right? And, and there's, they're more than welcome to go there. It's, uh, it's got some tremendously informative videos on it. But I, I must admit, with, a, with a, a, a slight chuckle, I've been so focused on the inner singer that the information on the videos is so old that I still call it activation voice control. So if you can forgive that, the information is completely valid and wonderful. Some technical stuff as well as uh, some other stuff. And that'll also get you on, on the list for the podcast. So any, any way you want to do it's great. Excellent. And Twitter and Facebook, are you on? Are you on the? Are you hooked up? That is so nice of you to say, but I am so not. I mean, I've, <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'm happy to be a friend of anybody, and uh, but I really don't do Facebook. I'm not even sure I know how, and I don't do Twitter. I, I maybe I'm just old school, but I'm just focused in other directions. But uh, really nice of you to ask, though. Oh, no worries. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, uh, like we said, get in touch with uh, Michael through his website. But again, thank you so much for your time. It's just. Uh, uh, I know, I know our, our listeners um, uh, are so split in the way that they think. Some are really, really technique-focused based and really love the shows to do with high notes or vowel changes or whatever. Um, but we always, always get an amazing response from uh, people like yourself who offer solutions to nerves and negative self-talk and you know in the past people have found the audition techniques or stuff so valuable Um, and just just that moment where you can sit and listen to something and say what I'm doing is okay what I'm doing is what everyone's doing and uh, yeah like like you've pointed out I guess you're one of the most you're you're one of the people who's um who's really gone down the line of putting some distance between you and the behavior the recognition of it and the separation of it I think it's great. So I can't wait to get the feedback and whatever we get, we will pump your way. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks a lot, guys. This has been really fun. I've been looking forward to it. You guys are great. Thank you. And we'll speak to you soon, Michael. Sounds great. Take care now. Cheers. Uh, He's popped off now. Good luck to him. Yeah, I wonder how he scuttled off. What did he he do? Don't know. Just just went, didn't he? Probably went. um, What are those things on the beach that they do now these days over there? I have no idea what you... It's like a... Jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> He's jet skiing along the promenade. No, it's a... Bike. No. Steve's holding his hands in what look like handlebars. Um, They've got wheels on. Oh, uh, Segway. Yeah, Segway. I reckon he's on a Segway. Ah. Off he goes. Uh, so thank you, Michael. Uh, like we said, get in touch with us if you have any more questions for Michael. Um, but I'm sure we'll get him on again because he's such a wonderful guest. Um, yeah, just a quick shout out. We uh, we love interacting with you guys uh, on social media. And as much as we haven't been as busy as we should uh, on Instagram, you know, we started today, didn't we? Mm. We went mad. Put two posts up. In one one of them is a video. And you can be sure that if you do follow us, you're going to get all the good stuff. Mm-mm. Even stuff that isn't on Facebook, even stuff that isn't podcasts. So. Yeah, even stuff that isn't useful or, or yeah. purposeful. You know where to come? Instagram. The search. Naked Vocalist, yeah? The Naked Vocalist. The Naked Vocalist. Yeah. No doubt you will get some naked pictures, but they're from other accounts. So... Uh, and of course, visit our website, thenakedvocalist.com. We love hearing you. Like we said, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, or thenakedvocalist.com. Keep listening because we'll keep doing it. <laughs>